Welcome to the latest GI Cancer podcast from VJ Oncology. We've just returned from the ASCO GI Cancer Symposium in San Francisco, where we heard from leading experts about the latest developments in research and clinical practice across the field of gastrointestinal cancers. In this podcast, we're focusing on biliary tract cancers. Professor Ghassan Abu Alpha of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center gave us a thorough overview of some of the most important recent clinical trial updates and discussed what impact the results of these trials could have on clinical practice. It's a great delight to be back to uh, the uh, GI ASCO here in San Francisco. Uh, and uh, what a great meeting, a lot of activities as you're currently asking about biliary tract cancer. What we heard today is uh, about uh, two important studies, uh, one of the triplet of gemcitabine, cisplatin, and napaclitaxel, uh, or what's called the SWOG 1815. Give credit uh, for the uh, team on building that study because uh, it was the first ever phase three clinical trial in regard to biliary tract cancer run as a cooperative group in the United States. Uh, the phase two study that it was based on showed an improvement in outcome. Understand within the context of a phase two trial where we don't really uh, value very much the uh, impact of the overall survival, but nonetheless, it was impactful 19 months or so. So definitely the phase three trial was an appropriate justification to move on with. Sadly, it was negative. If anything, it showed there's no difference at all between gemcitabine cisplatin plus napaclitaxel compared to gemcitabine cisplatin, which is the standard of care or was the standard of care at that point in time. Add to this, as we can imagine with the triplet combination, there was enhanced in regard to the adverse events from the study. Uh, what this tell us? That yes, the triplet combination of gemcitabine cisplatin and napaclitaxel is not a new standard of care. We should not use it. There was a suggestion at least that maybe the patient with gallbladder cancer might have a benefit from it. But of course, within the context of a, some small group of patients, and of course it's a subgroup analysis, probably it deserves further evaluation. The same thing we saw in regard to the locally advanced disease. Also some benefit, but again, we don't have yet a critical understanding of why and how. As such, the go home on Monday to clinics is no doubt that the staff care remain gemcitabine cisplatin plus dervalumab, which is based on the Topaz 1 study, and the gemcitabine cisplatin napaclitaxel is not really a stand of care anymore. I do anticipate that uh, there will be uh, further evaluations uh, in regard to the triplet, especially in regard to local advanced disease and gallbladder cancer. But again, same way as we just spoke, should not be considered as a standard at this point in time. We don't have enough data for that purpose. We also spoke about uh, the Ambrave 151. Quite fascinating study because it looked onto the gemcitabine cisplatin plus the checkpoint inhibitor, specifically atezolizumab, and it was a two-arm study, pretty much like almost two clinical trials. It was gemcitabine cisplatin plus atezolizumab plus bevacizumab, and the other one was gemcitabine cisplatin plus atezolizumab plus a placebo. So clearly it was a difference between atezolizumab plus bevacizumab or atezolizumab by itself. Within the context that this is a phase two clinical trial and as such really there is no comparison of the two arms, it literally did not show any difference between the two. And actually, Intriguingly, the two arms did not fare better than with the stand of care that are currently ongoing. And the question is how to move this word? I'm not sure. This is something that really needs a little bit of more vetting to really find the reason why we would bring it up. And this is now becoming very important, especially in regard to 
your third question, which is like, what about the uh, uh, targeted therapy in regard to biliary cancers? No doubt that the advance that we have seen in regard to biliary tract cancer has been mainly among a couple of the uh, genetic alterations that can occur. One of them is the FGFR2 fusion, and the other one is the IDH1 mutations. And of course, there's others like MIRAF, E, and others, and HER2, of course. Um, we're happy that we have uh, pemigatinib, which is already approved as a stand of care based on conditional approval based on phase two trial. We're also happy we have fitibatinib also on conditional approval uh, in regard to second line therapy for tract cancer for patients with FGFR2 fusion or other alterations. I'm also delighted that we have the ivozidinib for mutated IDH1 therapy, again, based on the phase three clinical trial that looked into the uh, patient getting ivozidinib versus placebo with the crossover and the the primary endpoint was PFS. The BRF600E is based on a phase two study, but I would say this is a very robust data that uh, we definitely understand if patient with BRF600E therapy should be applied accordingly. And the HER2 is still yet to be defined, especially among gallbladder cancer patients. What can we learn from here? Number one is, please, please, very important for all your colleagues that we have to make sure that we do the genetic testing as early as possible. I always jokingly said, even before the patients see the physician, they have to do the genetic testing because it takes a while to get the results. On the average, has been really averaging out based on whom you talk to. On the average, probably meeting about like three to four weeks. And number two is it will probably open opportunities for the patients. And of course, these mostly are coming as second line therapy. There has been a lot of efforts to try to see how to move them in the first line setting. Uh, no doubt that the delay in regard to the testing might be a problem. But number two now, with all what we just spoke about that we just heard of and regard to what is the uh, standard of care therapy, there's gonna be a little bit of a challenge how it kind of you know, fit them in. We have seen uh, major efforts in regard to phase three clinical trials in the first line setting that looked at gemsamine cisplatin plus X as anti-FGFR2. And if anything, we know that the accrual has been really a big challenge. Why is that? Because the patients with the genetic alteration to begin with are really very uh, limited in number. And uh, as such, screening will take big effort. At the same time, patients might sometimes give up on the process because they really would like to get on therapy and they don't want to wait for the screening. And number two, even they are screened, they might be negative in very high likely reason. And as such, to really do phase three clinical trial in that setting is probably not possible. If anything, one of the studies that looked into infigratinib versus uh, uh, placebo with uh, uh, the addition of gemsimesis platin was already stopped because it could not accrue. And uh, we'll see where the others are gonna go. But as such, is probably something that we all as a community, we have to look into with the agencies worldwide is are we really in need for phase three clinical trial for those genetic alterations? Uh, or would we be settled with the phase two study uh, results like as we just spoke about for the pemigatinib or the fibatinib. Uh, of course, the consideration for the uh, uh, add-on of the targeted therapy to the checkpoint inhibitors is a thought as well, but we are not there yet, but I will not be surprised. And there are, by the way, good biologic arguments why. I will not be surprised that we'll see them in no time per se. We also asked Dr. Abu Alpha about practical considerations surrounding molecular testing in biliary tract cancers. 
this is still in the process. By all means, we like that we test it, we like that we evaluate it, but it really needs to be connected with what is the outcomes. The classic scenario that we can think of is maybe we can do a biopsy and do CFDNA. It does not make sense because after all, we cannot just keep repeating the patient with biopsies until we get the result. But however, can we connect the CFDNA with the and point of the study, of course it can. I really would like to encourage all of my colleagues worldwide to make sure that we do CFDNA studies part of qualitative components of their studies so we can see if it really can give us a clue about the prognostication that patients might need for that therapy. Where we go from there, we are really excited that targeted therapy at least have some clues. We hope that we'll see more of them. We are at the same time happy to see that now we have a new um, uh, standard, which is gemcimine cisplatin plus dervalumab. Uh, no doubt we give credit for the efforts that, for example, we saw at GISCO today, but no doubt it should not really be stopping us, but really moving forward for more opportunities. But no doubt that further advancement of the management of the checkpoint inhibitors, enhancement of the checkpoint inhibitors, along with the baseline chemotherapy will be needed. And of course, we'll see where the target therapy is going to be integrated within. This is yet to be seen. That's all for this episode. We have loads more interviews from Masco GI over on vjoncology.com, so why not explore? If you enjoyed this podcast, then you can subscribe on your favourite podcast app, including Spotify and Apple, to make sure you don't miss an episode. And follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates in oncology. Stay tuned for more podcasts covering the latest updates in GI cancers and more with BJ Oncology.